The tales on this podcast are dark, sometimes scary, and full of adult themes. As a warning, the original story of One Good Turn Deserves Another contains violence and animal cruelty. Please exercise caution for children under 13. Bronimir dumped Prince Milorad's belongings onto his bed. There were fine linen shirts, embroidered coats, and gold jewelry. Such luxury. As he sifted them through his fingers, he realized these weren't his master's items anymore. They were his. Bronimir pulled on one of the coats and modeled it in a mirror. He admired himself for a moment, but then he noticed a thread hanging from the sleeve. He shook his head in disappointment. Prince Milorad never cared for his things. Bronimir pulled at the string, but it only unraveled more. He looked around for some scissors, but couldn't find any. In desperation, he drew his sword and cut the loose bits away. In the process, however, his blade nicked the sleeve, causing a larger split. Bronimir screamed and threw his sword to the ground. He knew this was Milorod's fault. The frail prince was careless. If he couldn't take care of a simple coat, how could he keep their secret? Just like the coat, their plan would unravel, which meant there was only one solution. Milorod must die. I'm Vanessa Richardson. You're listening to Tales, a Spotify original from Parcast. Every Wednesday, we dive into the dark origins of another fairy tale. You can find all episodes of Tales and all other Spotify originals from Parcast for free on Spotify. This week, we're wrapping up One Good Turn Deserves Another. In part two of this Serbian folktale, Prince Milorad fights back against his traitorous servant. Coming up, Milorad undertakes an impossible challenge. This episode is brought to you by Anytime Fitness. Forget dark alleys and cemeteries. For some, the gym is the scariest place of all. But it doesn't have to be. With a personalized plan and expert coaching, Anytime Fitness can help make the gym less frightening. Get more for your gym membership than machines. Get personalized support anytime, anywhere. Visit anytimefitness.com to try it for free today. Terms, conditions, and restrictions apply. See website for details. Prince Milorad marched nervously into King Stefan's opulent castle. Under normal circumstances, he would have been thrilled to meet an old friend of his father's, but this was not an ordinary visit. Milorad was only here because he'd been banished from his father's kingdom. He had freed one of King Andre's prized prisoners, a wild man named Goron. Milorad could have been executed for the crime, but his father arranged for him to come live under the protection of King Stefan. Except the letter explaining all of this was now in the possession of Milorad's servant, Bronimir. In addition to the letter, the conniving assistant had stolen the prince's clothing and identity. As a result, Milorad now looked like a servant. As the two young men entered King Stefan's throne room, Milorad felt apprehensive. Could he warn King Stefan of the treachery? Perhaps he could send a message back to his father, but as he considered his options, he felt a hand constrict around his arm. He turned to see Bronimir with an evil look in his eye. Remember, Bronimir whispered. 
If you say a word about this, I'll slit your throat. Before Milorod could respond, they arrived in front of King Stefan. While King Andre had looked every part the warrior and hunter, King Stefan was meticulously groomed. His beard was trim and symmetrical. His teeth were uniform and white. His embroidered coat looked like it had never been worn before. Stefan held out his arms in a welcoming gesture. Boys, I was told you desired an audience with me. Milorod cleared his throat and was about to speak when Bronimir suddenly stepped forward. I am Prince Milorod, son of King Andre. King Stefan nearly jumped from his throne. My old friend, King Andre? If what you say is true, then this is truly a happy day. Bronimir produced the stolen letter of introduction and handed it to the king. Milorod clenched his fists. Hearing Bronimir use his name sent a strange prickling sensation through his body. This was his moment to speak out, to expose the truth. But he remembered Bronimir's threat, and he knew Bron could back it up. He had killed two men only a few days before. Besides, what could Milorod say to the king? What proof did he have? Who would King Stefan believe, Milorod with his pale skin and frail arms in servant's garb, or Bronimir, who was handsome, charming, and wore fine velvet clothing? Milorod sighed. There was nothing he could do now. When King Stefan finished reading the letter, he slapped his knee and let out a hearty laugh. So, my old friend Andre sent me his banished prince? What a wily old dog he is. I'll have to tell you some stories about the two of us when we were younger. He was my best friend. Though King Stefan had spoken directly to Bronimir, his words resonated with Milorod. He couldn't imagine his father being young or having friends. He desperately wanted to ask King Stefan more, but there was no time. King Stefan gestured grandly around him. Prince Milorod, please consider my home yours. My staff will show you to your new chambers and your servant to his bunk. Milorod was suddenly surrounded by workers dressed much like him in rough brown garments. Bronimir grinned at Milorod. Go on, make yourself at home in the servants' quarters. Later that day, Bronimir summoned Milorod for a tour of the castle with King Stefan. The proud king led them through countless parlors, libraries, and gardens. Everything seemed to be a specially curated collection, from books and art to roses and hunting dogs. After exploring most of the castle, King Stefan brought the young men to his favorite collection of all, his private zoo. It was unlike anything Milorod had seen before. In a courtyard in the rear of the castle were rows and rows of cages, all containing animals of every sort. There were wolves, bears, lions, even strange gray animals with long noses and tusks that the prince had only seen in books. King Stefan beamed with pride as he showed them around. I've collected these from all over the world. Milorod could barely look, though. It made his stomach churn to see the animals locked up. Many of the animals appeared listless and malnourished. Others, like the lion and wolves, paced back and forth, hungry, agitated, and dangerous. 
The prince was about to voice his horror, but Bronimir spoke up first. This is very impressive, your highness. You must be quite the hunter. King Stefan chuckled. I was. It was my greatest passion in life. That's what your father and I first bonded over. But I'm too old for all that now. Just then, one of the animals let loose a ferocious growl. All three men turned to see a bear rampaging in his cage. Outside the iron bars, a young woman with golden braids tumbled to the ground, narrowly avoiding a swipe from the beast's claws. King Stefan raced over to her. Katarina, how many times have I told you to stay away from my animals? The young woman stood up and dusted herself off. Milorod noticed that she was holding a hunk of raw meat. You starve them, father, the young woman shot back. They shouldn't be locked up in the first place. Look at them. They're miserable. King Stefan pinched the bridge of his nose with annoyance. I'm not having this conversation with you again, especially in front of my guests. Don't make me call the guards. Bronimir turned to the king. Seems like your most beguiling wild animal isn't in a cage. The king laughed heartily and clapped Bronimir on the back. <laughs> you may be right, son. Katarina stared daggers at her father and Bronimir. Her gaze softened, though, when she noticed Milorod. She cocked her head curiously at him. Milorod turned to look behind him. Was she looking at someone else? He wiped his face, wondering if he had dirt or food stuck to it. He couldn't figure it out. All he knew was that she was the most beautiful woman he had ever seen. No sooner had Katarina looked at him, though, she tossed the raw meat into the bear's cage and brushed past the three men in a huff. King Stefan sighed. My daughter, Princess Katarina. I think she cares more about the animals than she does about me. He and Bronimir watched the bear devour the bloody flesh. Milorad, on the other hand, turned to watch the princess as she disappeared back into the castle. He had never known anyone who cared about animals as much as him. He desperately wanted to tell her that he agreed with her, but he could never speak with her while he looked like a servant. Bronimir noticed the prince's gaze and cleared his throat. <clears throat> King Stefan, please forgive my forwardness, but why keep the beasts locked up? It must cost a fortune. Stefan nodded. Let me tell you, the fresh meat alone may bankrupt me, but if I let the animals roam free, I'd never be able to catch them again. I'm no longer the skilled hunter I was in my prime. A devious grin spread across Bronimir's face. As it happens, my servant here is a master hunter and trapper. You should have seen the wild boar he recently captured for my father. You could let your bears and wolves loose in the forest, and he could bring them back whenever you want to see them. King Stefan turned to Milorod in disbelief. Is that true, young man? Milorod went pale. What? What? There's, there's no way, he stammered. Bronimir patted Milorod's shoulder. Oh, stop being so humble. He turned back to the king. I'd even be willing to bet his life on it. If my servant can't bring them all back by sundown, then you have my blessing to chop off his head. King Stefan clapped his hands together excitedly. 
Oh, I like this very much. It's a challenge then. Very well, boys, stand clear. King Stefan instructed his guards to open the cages. Moments later, a stampede of bears, wolves, and other animals raced across the courtyard and out a gate toward the forest. When the last one disappeared into the tree line, King Stefan turned to Milorod. Well, young man, those are my most prized possessions. You better get them back. Remember, you only have until sundown. Milorod felt a wave of panic crash over him. Was this really happening, or was it all some elaborate practical joke from his father? He half expected King Andre to emerge from behind a castle gate and yell, Surprise! But that didn't happen. Instead, Bronimir threw his arm over his shoulder. Come on, my trusty servant. I'll walk you to the forest. Bronimir led Milorod out of the castle and to the edge of the forest. When they arrived, Milorod turned to his former friend. Bronimir, please, don't do this. Bronimir grabbed Milorod by the collar of his shirt and pulled him close. Don't you ever call me by that name again. Remember, I'm Prince Milorod and you're Bronimir, got it? Milorod broke down, sobbing. Why are you doing this? Bronimir smirked at him. It's simple. There are only two witnesses to our identity in this kingdom, me and you. That's a liability for me. Thankfully, it won't be for long. He shoved Milorod toward the woods. Good luck, old friend. As Milorod turned to look into the deep forest, he heard a wolf howl in the distance. It was an ominous sound. The sound of doom. Bronimir had saved him from execution before, but Milorod knew that now his former friend had effectively signed his death sentence. Coming up, Prince Milorod encounters an old friend in the forest. Hi there, it's Carter from Parcast. If you haven't had a chance to check out the riveting true crime series Solved Murders, there's no better time to tune in. Throughout the month of August, Solved Murders is featuring four celebrations that took a turn for the deadly in a special series we're calling Party Fowls. From a murder in the New York nightclub scene and a house party gone horribly wrong, to a terrifying evening at the Tate residence and a sex party with sinister results. Go deeper inside for affairs remembered for all the wrong reasons. And if you like what you hear with party fouls and want to uncover more of history's most captivating cases, be sure to follow Solved Murders on Spotify. There you'll find a new episode released every Wednesday. Solved Murders is a Spotify original from Parcast. Listen free only on Spotify. This episode is brought to you by Anytime Fitness. Forget dark alleys and cemeteries. For some, the gym is the scariest place of all. But it doesn't have to be. With a personalized plan and expert coaching, Anytime Fitness can help make the gym less frightening. Get more for your gym membership than machines. Get personalized support anytime, anywhere. Visit anytimefitness.com to try it for free today. Terms, conditions, and restrictions apply. See website for details.
Now back to the story. Prince Milorad crept cautiously through the woods. If he didn't bring back King Stefan's menagerie of wild beasts, he would be executed. That is, if the beasts didn't kill him first. After a moment, Milorad stumbled upon a bloody carcass of a half-eaten rabbit. The smell was foul, but the blood was fresh. As he walked a bit further, he found the head of a deer torn roughly from its body. The eyes stared vacantly up at the prince. His stomach turned. Milorod knew he was going in the right direction, but he didn't know what he would do when he found his targets. He'd just have to figure that out if he ever got close enough. The opportunity never came, though. After searching the forest for hours, Milorod never even caught a glimpse of one of the animals. As the sun set, turning the sky orange and violet, he sat on a log and buried his face in his hands. He started to sob. How had he let this happen? Why couldn't he stand up to Bronimir? Suddenly, Milorod heard a rustle in the brush behind him. A chill shot up his spine. He hadn't found the animals, but one of them had found him. Instinctively, he reached for his dagger, but he knew it would be no use against a bear or a wolf. As he prepared for the attack, he was tackled from behind, and a hand suddenly covered his mouth. Milorod tried to scream, but his lips were sealed. A voice whispered, Shh, no sudden moves. There was something familiar about his captor's voice. Milorod peered at the hand covering his mouth. It was coated in dark fur. The prince craned his neck to catch a glimpse of the man's face. Sure enough, it was Goron, the wild man he had freed from prison. Milorod tried to speak, but Goron tightened his grip on the prince's mouth. With his other hand, Goron pointed to a pair of eyes gleaming in the brush ahead. All of a sudden, a giant bear crept from the shadows. Milorod squirmed, desperate to run, but Goron held him in his vice-like grip. Stay still, Goron said. Act dead. Milorod's heart raced, but he obeyed the wild man. He closed his eyes and tried to look as dead as possible. He knew in a moment it might not be an act. After a moment, the bear lumbered over to them. It sniffed their bodies and rolled them over with its heavy claws. Milorod felt the bear's steamy breath on his face. Saliva dripped from the creature's mouth onto his lip. Milorod could taste the blood and flesh mixed in it. He desperately wanted to wipe it away, but he followed Goron's directions and remained as lifeless as possible. Then, as quickly as it had appeared, the bear seemed to get bored and lumbered back into the forest. After a few moments of tense stillness, Goron put his hand on Milorod's shoulder. We should be safe for now. The prince stood up and spit the bear saliva from his mouth. He started hyperventilating. We almost died. Goron shook his head. We survived. Bears don't like to eat dead things. Then he looked into Milorod's eyes. What are you doing here? You're a long way from your kingdom. 
Milorod filled Goran in on everything that had happened, how he'd been banished, how Bronimir had forced him to switch identities, and how he'd been given the impossible task of wrangling all of King Stefan's wild beasts. Goran listened intently to Milorod's story. When the young man was done, the wild man cocked his head and thought for a moment. I don't know how to help you with this Bronimir, but I can help you with the animals. Tears welled up in Milorod's eyes. You can? Goron nodded. You saved my life. We are friends. Milorod threw his arms around the hairy man and hugged him. A smile of pure happiness washed across Goron's face. You are my only friend, besides animals. The wild man chuckled. After their embrace, the two turned back to the challenge at hand. Come with me, Goron instructed. Goron led Milorod through the forest to a tree with a hollow in its trunk. He reached inside and pulled out three bells made from tarnished old metal. On the sides were ancient symbols and runes. Milorod had heard stories about old bells in the forest, but he had never seen them before. Goron handed them to the prince. Ring these as you walk through the woods. The beasts will follow you. Milorod turned the bells over in his hands. Are you sure they'll work? Goron nodded. Yes, they have the old magic of the woods. The prince placed them safely in his pocket and reached his hand out to Goron. Thank you, he said. Goron grasped the young prince's hand. Thank you. Then he darted off into the woods. Milorod, alone again, looked at the metal spheres in his hands. They didn't look special. They seemed like perfectly ordinary chimes. If he had seen them in his father's castle, he probably would have discarded them. Now, with the sun setting, he realized they were his only chance. Either way, he'd be dead soon. So what did he have to lose? As Milorod trekked through the forest back toward the castle, he rang the bells. It was the most peaceful sound he had ever heard, like birds chirping on a spring morning. As the sound echoed through the trees, the forest went silent. Insects stopped chittering. Even the plants and wind seemed to hush. After a few moments, however, Milorod heard the crunch of leaves and sticks all around him. Soon, animals emerged from the thicket. There were rabbits, deer, and antelope. Not long after that, bigger creatures followed. Milorod saw a wolf, a bear, and a lion. Instinctively, he hid behind a tree, afraid they'd attack him. But then he noticed that they seemed docile, their heads cocked to the side. They were listening to the bells. Each and every creature was as entranced by their sound as he was. Milorod felt his heartbeat slow and his panic subside. Goron was right. The bells were indeed magic. But he wasn't out of the woods yet. He still needed to get the animals back to the castle. With the sun setting, he knew he would have to hurry. He picked up the pace and soon saw King Stefan's gate in the distance. 
As Milorad led the caravan of animals back to the courtyard, he was met by King Stefan, Bronimir, and a crowd of nobles and courtesans. Most of them clapped and cheered. King Stefan applauded wildly. I have never seen anything like it, he cried. The only person not cheering was Bronimir, whose face had turned a bright shade of crimson. In the center of his forehead, a vein pulsed angrily. King Stefan turned to him, giddy as a schoolboy. How does your servant do it? Bronimir stared at Milorad with rabid eyes. You know, he's never told me. Milorad grinned slightly at Bronimir. You never asked. Then he turned to the king. Your majesty, I give you these three enchanted bells. You no longer have to keep your animals in cages. The next time you want to see them, just ring these and they will come to you. King Stefan tried the bells and noticed how the animals seemed docile and interested. He turned back to Bronimir. That's quite a servant you have here, son. I guess we won't have to execute him. Bronimir eyed Milorad and drummed his fingers on his sword's hilt. No, not yet at least. Later that night, as Milorad tried to sleep, he heard the door of the servants' quarters creak open. He realized it was probably Bronimir coming to kill him for good. After a moment, though, he saw the glow of a candle approaching. Strange, he thought. If Bronimir was coming for him, he wouldn't carry a light. That's when he realized it was Princess Katarina. Milorad scrambled out of bed and bowed to her. Your Highness, he started. The princess waved her hand, cutting him off. No need for the formalities. I came here to thank you. Milorad squinted at her, confused. For what? Katarina looked at him in disbelief. For what you did with the animals, silly. Milorad nodded at her. Animals deserve to be free. Katarina's eyes became impassioned. You wouldn't believe how many times I've told my father that, but he never listens. We never seem to understand each other. Milorad chuckled. <laughs> it reminds me of a time I went hunting with my father. He trailed off, not wanting to finish his thought. Suddenly, the princess grasped his shoulders and looked deep in his eyes. Milorad tried not to turn away. He had never been so close to a woman before, let alone one as beautiful as Katarina. He expected to wilt in her presence, but for some reason, she put him at ease. He relaxed and looked at her deeply. After a moment, the princess nodded. You love your father, but he also makes you sad. I can see it in your eyes. I think you and I are quite alike. Milorad suddenly wanted to blurt out everything to her, who he really was, what had happened to him, but he still felt Bronimir's threat lurking in the darkness. And if he revealed his secret, he might never see Katarina again. After a moment, Milorad sighed heavily. I'm just glad that I was able to help your animals. At that, the princess stepped closer to him. Perhaps there's something else you could help me with. My father's holding a competition, a horse race, and the winner gets a prize. She gestured to her left ring finger. My hand in marriage. 
Milorod forced a smile as he pictured a handsome prince on horseback winning the race and marrying her. Whoever it is will be a lucky man, he said with a pang of jealousy. The princess held her finger to his lips to shush him. Her voice started to tremble. That's the thing. I don't want to leave it up to chance. I want to marry someone I choose. She swallowed hard and locked eyes with Milorod. And I choose you. Coming up, Milorod battles his nemesis. Now back to the story. After Princess Katarina informed Milorod that she wanted him as her prince, she instructed him to meet her in the forest the next day. She needed to prepare him for the horse race where he would win her hand. As he walked to the designated spot in the early morning light, Milorod wondered if she was playing a joke on him. Would she even show up? Why would a woman like that pay attention to me, he thought. But then, there she was, hugging him and showing him her plan for the race. First, she painted his face with makeup so no one would recognize him. Then she dressed him in the finest embroidered clothes. When she was done, he looked like a prince from a foreign kingdom. Finally, she revealed the third part of her plan, a sleek black stallion. This is the best horse from our stables. My father doesn't pay attention to horses, so he won't notice. As Milorod approached the muscular beast, it snorted and reared. Milorod looked at Katarina. I don't think it likes me. Katarina stroked the stallion's mane. You just have to be gentle with him. Then she reached out and grabbed Milorod's hand. Just be yourself. Milorod felt butterflies in his stomach. As afraid as he was of the horse, the race, and Bronimir, he realized that he would do anything for this woman. He nodded to her. I'll try my best. At that, the princess gave him a hug. Go on, they'll be starting soon. I'll see you out there. As Milorod rode into the main courtyard of the castle, he saw King Stefan addressing a crowd of spectators and a handful of young men on horseback. Among them was Bronimir. Immediately, Milorod wanted to turn back, but when he glanced over to the royal dais, he saw Katarina and her golden braids glinting in the sun. He swallowed hard and coaxed his horse over to the group of riders. He wondered if Bronimir would see through his disguise, but his old servant didn't pay him any attention. He seemed too distracted by the princess to even look at him. Milorod settled into the group and listened to King Stefan explain the contest. The rules are simple, the king said. You must make your way through the race course, which follows a winding road, river crossings, and steep drops. At the end of it all is a pedestal that holds a golden apple. The first man to take the fruit in his hands shall marry my beautiful daughter. The king called for all the racers to approach the starting line. As the horses and riders jockeyed for position, Milorod ended up next to Bronimir. Bronimir nodded absently at him. A moment later, a cannon fired from atop the castle wall, and the racers took off. All except for Milorod. 
His stallion didn't budge. At first, he yanked on the reins and spurred the horse like he had seen his father do in similar races. But then he remembered the princess's words, be gentle. He remembered how he had always treated his horse back home. He pulled an apple from the saddlebag and reached it forward to the horse's mouth. After a moment of chewing, the stallion whinnied. Instantly, the beast sprinted out of the castle courtyard at breakneck speed. It ran so fast, Milorod had to clench his arms around its neck to stay on. Milorod and the stallion caught up to the main group at the first challenge, a wide river crossing. Some of the horses were already across, others were slower and waded carefully into the deep current. Milorod's horse barely slowed. He leapt halfway across the river and kept going. When they emerged on the other side, they were closing on the lead pack. The next obstacle was a steep cliff that dropped into a ravine. Most riders stopped at the edge, but one racer spurred his horse down the side. Milorod could see it was none other than Bronimir. Milorod knew he'd have to do the same to win. He held on tightly as the stallion negotiated the sharp drop-off and picked its way down. At the bottom of the ravine, Milorod and his horse chased after Bronimir. This time, when Bronimir looked back, his eyes went wide. Milorod! He cried. Milorod suddenly realized that the river had rinsed off his makeup. His pale face now peeked through in spots. He couldn't stop to fix it, though. His horse pushed faster and faster. Soon they were alongside Bronimir. Bronimir looked over and smiled cruelly. I'm actually glad you're here. You didn't die in the woods with bears and wolves, but now no one will suspect a thing if you die in a horse race. Bronimir stepped out of his stirrup and readied his leg to kick Milorod's stallion in the ribs with his spurs. Milorod realized it could kill his horse. He had to act fast. All of a sudden, he slid out of his saddle and down the horse's side. He felt a sharp pain in his back as Bronimir's boot crashed into his shoulder. Milorod successfully protected the horse, but now he struggled to hold on. Somehow, the stallion sensed it and bucked him back onto the saddle. Thanks, boy, he whispered. After the brief delay, Milorod caught back up to Bronimir. Now they were neck and neck. Milorod saw Bronimir growing increasingly frustrated. The servant spurred his horse harder and harder. They started to pull ahead, but all of a sudden, his horse started to fade. Milorod realized Bronimir must have pushed the horse too hard. As Bronimir fell behind, Milorod looked ahead. He could see a crowd gathered around a pedestal, atop which was the golden apple. Milorod locked his eyes on it. They were getting closer, closer. Finally, he readied himself to grab it. His back ached where Bronimir had kicked him, but he didn't care. He was almost there. A moment later, he snatched the apple and thrust it in the air. The crowd of spectators cheered. Instinctively, Milorod's horse slowed to a stop. Milorod was so excited he nearly fell out of the saddle, but he caught himself and climbed down. King Stefan gestured to Milorod. Ladies and gentlemen, we have a winner! 
Despite Milorod's exhaustion, happiness swelled inside him. He glanced over and saw Princess Katarina jumping up and down. Her smile was infectious, so Milorod smiled too. He realized he had never been so happy in his life. While he stood there enjoying the moment, however, someone tackled him from behind. As Milorod tumbled to the ground, he caught a glimpse of his attacker. It was Bronimir, with a murderous look in his eyes. Nice try, old friend, but you can't win if you're dead. Bronimir grabbed Milorod by the throat with one hand and drew his sword with the other. He aimed the blade for Milorod's head and put all his weight behind it. The prince, however, twisted in Bronimir's grip and dodged the strike. Milorod used the momentum to scramble to his feet. He drew his dagger, but it looked silly compared with Bronimir's sword. Bronimir clicked his tongue at him. Give it up! He roared. You're only delaying the inevitable, Milos! But as Bronimir readied to attack, King Stefan shouted, Just a minute! You just called him Milos! Isn't that your nickname, Milorod? Bronimir turned to the king. Your Highness, there's a perfectly logical explanation. After a moment, though, he couldn't come up with one. He laughed sardonically. <laughs> okay, fine, you caught me. I forced the prince to switch identities with me, but it doesn't matter now. Bronimir pointed his sword at the prince. He'll be dead soon. All of a sudden, Milorod's stallion reared up and kicked Bronimir square in the chest. As Bronimir moaned on the ground, Milorod stepped over and grabbed the sword. He turned to King Stefan, who seemed stunned by the revelation of Milorod's true identity. Your Highness, what is your bidding? He asked. King Stefan scratched his beard. It seems, my boy, the sentencing is yours to give. You may execute him if you wish. Milorod looked at Bronimir, writhing on the ground. Bronimir, you may have tried to kill me, but I do owe you for saving my life back home. Besides, Milorod glared down at him. He remembered the words that his father had said to him at his punishment. There's more than one way to end a life. Once you've recovered from your wounds, I banish you from this kingdom. As the king's soldiers and medics attended to Bronimir, Milorod staggered over to Princess Katarina. He was bruised and exhausted, but he reached his arms out to her. She embraced him and kissed him. You did it, she yelled. Two weeks later, Prince Milorod and Princess Katarina were married in the castle courtyard. As Milorod danced with his bride, he noticed a guest arrive in the shadows. At first, he was afraid it might be Bronimir, back to spoil the celebration. But when a towering figure with a glimmering crown stepped into the light, Milorod knew it could only be one person. Father! He yelled. Milorod rushed over to King Andre. I didn't think I'd see you again. The king grinned at his son slyly. The rules of banishment say that you can't come back to my kingdom. It doesn't say anything about me coming to visit you. The king grabbed his son's shoulders and examined him up and down. You look so different. Your face looks full and happy. 
Look at you. You really are becoming the man you were meant to be. Milarod shrugged. I guess I needed to stop trying to be you and just become me. King Andre nodded. A single proud tear streamed down his face. You did, my son, and I'm so very proud of you. One Good Turn Deserves Another is one of countless coming-of-age fairy tales. These stories exist in a multitude of cultures and languages. What sets this tale apart from the others, however, is that Milorod isn't a hero because of physical prowess or even intelligence. By all accounts, Milorod is as average and unremarkable as heroes come. What sets him apart is his kindness and his realization that he can grow into a man in his own unique, individual way. The result is a coming-of-age tale that feels remarkably modern. The principles of one good turn deserves another are just as relevant today, when traditional ideals of masculinity and femininity are more fluid and flexible. Boys don't need to be King Andres to be powerful and admirable. Girls don't need to be passive, wilting flowers to get a happily ever after. The important thing is to follow the lead of Milorod and Katarina and lead with kindness. These ideas may have originated from an ancient story, but if everyone followed one good turn's example, the world might be a kinder, happier place. Thanks for listening to Tales. You can find more episodes of Tales and all other Spotify originals from Parcast for free on Spotify. Join me next week for another dark and surprising fairy tale. Tales is a Spotify original from Parcast. Executive producers include Max and Ron Cutler. Sound designed by Nick Johnson, with production assistance by Ron Shapiro, Trent Williamson, Carly Madden, and Travis Clark. This episode of Tales was written by Joseph Bricker, with writing assistance by Adam De Silva and Nora Battelle. Fact-checking by Adriana Romero, and research by Mickey Taylor. I'm Vanessa Richardson. Hi, listeners, it's Carter. Here's a quick reminder to check out the Solved Murders four-part special Party Fouls. Every Wednesday in August, take a closer look at four celebrations that ended in horrific fashion. Follow the Spotify original from Parcast, Solved Murders. Listen free only on Spotify. Spotify.